be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. So we're in uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to open to verse uh, 13 is where we're going to be, 13 through 25. Uh, this is a really interesting uh, bit of text to preach from, considering uh, the current political environment. Uh, I'm just going to, to tell you right now, I don't have a political opinion. I'm apolitical. I am not on one side or the other. However, what I do know and what I can tell you is that scripturally, we are to be subject to the people that God has put in authority over us. And a lot of times, uh, being subject to that uh, can be a little difficult. It can be, do I really need to be subject to that? Now, interestingly, in this particular scripture, what we'll find is that there are even uh, limits upon being subject to those who God has put in over our lives. And so as we move on, you will see uh, that one of, the, one of the themes of this particular verse is a person should submit to the world's ordinances as long as they do not require disobedience to God. And I think this is particularly interesting in our given political climate that we are to be subject to the rulers that God has put over us in as much as they don't cause us to sin or to stumble. And what's really interesting is that these verses, uh, a lot of the times we take this to mean the worldly authority, but it also can mean the church authority. It can also mean the people in the church who have been appointed to certain tasks within the body of Christ. Uh, it also can mean in the home. There are certain uh, uh, God-given appointments in the home that uh, it's very easy just to take away and to dismiss, and yet... Uh, God says that they're there for a reason. And so as we get started this morning in these particular verses, I just want you to keep in mind that what we are looking for here is in fact finding out who God has put in our lives as authority and submitting to that authority. And take that for a moment in your own lives to figure out what that means for you. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to dive into this morning's text. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the time you've given us to come into your presence and to worship you. I pray, Lord God, that as we read this text that seems very timely, that you help us to approach it with open minds and open hearts, that you be with each one of us as we delve into your word and we let that word touch our lives. We pray these things in your son's precious name. In the name of Jesus. Amen. So, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. That seems a little loaded, doesn't it? Like, let's be honest, if you look at the system of government, not just in the United States, but throughout all of Europe and Western civilization, when you look at this line, be subject to every institution, it gets a little, it's a little <laughs> tricky, it's a little dicey. You've got to sort of step on to figuring out uh, what is the right way of going about? Now, I'm going to tell you right now that I have a friend. I'm not going to mention him by name. Uh, but he is, by all means, 
a super liberal kind of guy. He leans very, very, very far to the left in all of his political stuff, and we're friends on Facebook, and so every time he posts something on Facebook, it comes up in my newsfeed, and I look at it, uh, and I, I read through the story, and I have to ask myself, is it uh, the true facts, or is it a, a, a liberal left-leaning bias, or whatever? Now, that being said, my father-in-law is a Republican. Now, my father-in-law doesn't share things often on Facebook, but when he does, and he shares political news, again, I have to look at that and say, well, is that really right? Is that really the facts? And so, so interestingly, when it comes to looking at our world, it's not just politics when you look at this divide. Uh, if you were to read some of the recent surveys about division in America, uh, their surveys are coming back saying that America is more divided than any time in the country's history, and that includes the Civil War. Now, what the data is telling people is that when two people have differences of opinions, they can't just come together as people and discuss them, but instead what they do is they come together and argue to bash each other's heads in. That's what the data is telling us. And that political divide isn't just out in the world, but it's also reflected here in the church. In the church, there are churches that are splitting, denominations that are splitting with themselves and from themselves because of different political views within the actual church. And so this particular message about being subject to authority is very interesting because how do you be subject to an authority that you politically disagree with, but however is not doing anything that is against the ordinances of God? How do you submit to authority but still keep your constitutional right to dissent to that authority? Now, I know all of you woke up this morning and said, you know what I really want in church this morning is a civics lesson <laughs> from someone who's not even American yet. However, not being American puts me in a very unique position. I can come from the outside and I can look in at a system that has been going for the last couple of hundred years and to give you an honest, unbiased opinion on it. And here's what I think. I don't think our political system in this country is inherently bad. A two-party system is, by all stretches of the imagination, interesting because it does lend itself to that political divide. You have to be on one side or the other because there's only two sides. However, when you read scripturally, there's so much more than just two sides to any particular argument. And I think we as a church have a responsibility to lead the country in responding to the political discourse in this country in a way that is constructive, not destructive. Uh, reading through this, it, there's not a lot in this particular passage that's open to interpretation. It says, look, God is going to place rulers over your life. He's going to place authority figures over your life. And these authority figures are going to be there to uh, guide you and, yes, in some ways to punish you. Uh, we're talking about the early church. We're talking about Peter uh, writing to the early church at the time. The emperor was Nero. Nero was, uh, if you've ever read any historical literature on Nero, he was an interesting uh, person to say the least, he was not a godly man. He was a pagan. Um, he killed his first wife uh, because he wanted to. Uh, there are reports and rumors that he killed his second wife because she wasn't bearing him an heir. Uh, he killed his mother um, probably because she criticized him because let's be honest, that's what mothers do best. And if you're the emperor of the Roman Empire, you can do stuff like that. 
so what I'm trying to get across is that Nero is not a nice person. At this stage in history, what he's actually doing is persecuting Christians. Uh, he is finding out the most horrendous way to kill people, and he's finding all of the Christians, rounding them up into cages, and doing just that. Uh, he would dip them into wax, into hot wax, naked, just in, out. And then he would mount them to trees and light them on fire to light his garden parties. Okay? This is the guy who is in charge of the empire that Peter is telling Christians you need to put yourself under his authority. You think we've had a couple of bad runs of presidents. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't think the standard for the presidency should be, is he lighting people on fire? No? All right, let's leave him alone. That's not what I'm saying. But Peter is trying to tell Christians that even in the most horrendous of persecutions, that you need to believe that God's sovereign hand is just that sovereign. A person should submit to the world's ordinances as long as they do not require disobedience to God's ordinances. And the reason is that it will commend Christ to people. I'm really fond of saying that as a Christian, when you're called to be the light of the world, you are called to shine Christ to the world so that when people look at you, they say, man, why is that person, why is that man, why is that woman different? Why, what, what has that person got that I don't have and let me be a part of that? And the same thing happens when we're talking about political discourse. If you are just like everyone else on the outside of the world, people are going to look at you and they're going to say, man, those Christians, they're just as hard-headed, they're just as bigoted, they're just as closed-minded, they're just as insert your favorite insult here as everyone else. But if you conduct yourself with honor accordance to uh, the scriptural mandates of how to interact with people, uh, scripture tells us you to be kind to everyone. To love everyone without exception. doesn't matter if they disagree with you. And when we do that, I think that we draw a light to, this, to, to Jesus. We show Jesus to the world and we will keep others. And we will commend Christ to people. And what's interesting about this is this is not just talking about political discourse. discourse. This is talking about being subject to each other as well. In the book of Ephesians it says, Be subject to one another as to the Lord. And so even within the church body ourselves, what we have is a certain hierarchy. We have a pastor, uh, but even me at the top of this hierarchy, I have someone who I have to submit to. I have a higher authority that tells me what to do, and he has a higher authority who has a higher authority who should answer to God himself. I say should, because sometimes it doesn't always happen, because sometimes our humanness gets in the way. And so submission to others is also uh, itself a service or a submission to Christ because Jesus has asked you to do it and so when you obey Jesus you are uh, submitting to Christ to his commandments but you're also doing a service to Christ this isn't just about the uh, the church this is also about our families uh, for those little kids who are actually paying attention I think I've got one you got to submit to your parents you have to do what your mom and dad or grandma, whoever you live with, whoever's your garden, you have to do what they tell you to do. You have to submit. When I was growing up, my parents loved me to sing a particular song that was called O-B-E-Y, Obey Your Mum and Dad. I have no idea why they liked me to sing it. 
O-B-E-Y makes them very glad. Listen to the words they say, obey your parents every day, O-B-E-Y, obey your mom and dad. I wonder if they had ulterior motives, now that I think about it. Submission is difficult. Submission is not in human nature, it's in our Christ nature. And a lot of the times we allow our human nature to take control. A lot of the times we take that human nature and we elevate it above our Christ or spirit-filled nature. And we don't want to submit. We don't want to do as we're told. No one likes to be told what to do. We love freedom. But what we don't realize is that we are free in Christ, which means that we have to obey, which is kind of counterproductive or counterintuitive. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. And what this is telling us uh, from this particular line in Colossians is that everything that we do, when we submit to those who God has placed in authority over our lives, we're actually submitting to God and doing what God tells us to do. And we're doing that, we're bringing glory to God. Whatever you do, work heartily from the Lord and not for men. It's a theme that is brought up also in the book of Romans that says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from God and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed and those who resist will incur judgment. And again, I want to stop. This is not talking just about carte blanche doing as you were told by uh, a political or religious authority. If those uh, commands from them have anything to do with contrary to what Scripture tells us, then we have the obligation within Scripture to resist that. Uh, For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Who would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoers. Therefore, one must be subject, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. God's word literally tells you that if you do not submit to those in authority over your life, you're going to expose yourself to the wrath of God. The book of Romans is written to Christians for Christians. And so this isn't talking to people who aren't saved. This is talking to people who are saved. And God tells them that they need to be subject to the authorities over them. Otherwise, they will expose themselves to the wrath of God. For because of this, you will also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed them taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. What God tells you is sometimes that there are people he puts over your life who will not conduct themselves with honor, who will not conduct themselves with integrity, but because God has raised them up for such a time, you still need to respect them and give honor to the office, not necessarily to the person. Sometimes you get into deep disagreements. I thought I had a section in here about Imago Dei, but I might get to it later, but let's deal with it now. Uh, Imago Dei is a doctrine within Christianity. It literally translates from the Latin to the image of God. 
And what it means is when you look at Scripture and you read through the book of Genesis, uh, especially the opening chapters, it says that man and woman were made in the, the image of God and that each one of us are image bearers to God. That is, when someone looks at you, someone looks at me, we have the image of God within us and that in itself has value and worth and dignity. And the problem is, is the way that our country and the sort of Western culture is set up, when you come to a difference of opinion, when you come to people who have different ideas, what we do is if we can't get our idea across, if we don't think we have a strong argument, what we'll do is we'll attack the other person instead. How many times have you seen this in arguments when the argument isn't going your way, when it's not happening the way you want, what we do is, well, you're just stupid. Well, you're just an idiot. You're not thinking. You're not whatever. Your brain isn't fully developed. I don't know. A, a lot of the times when we argue, if we don't feel like we're getting our opinion across, we start tearing down the other person. And what Scripture tells us is that that's actually wrong. That every man, every woman on this planet is created in the image of God. They have the Imago Dei on their life. And because they're marked by that, they have the value of God in them and so when we argue we need to be careful that we're arguing ideas and we're not arguing against people uh, one of the the preachers and authors that i listen to and read uh, is named rabbi zachariah he is a, a, a an apologist and what he will say is this ideas are not equal but people are not all ideas are equal not all ideas are equally beneficial equally well researched equally well thought out not all ideas are equal but people are that you and i in all forms are equal because we both have the imago day on our lives that we both have the image of god reflected in our souls and because of that when we argue we need to take care that we don't tear each other down that we respect who to whom respect is owed and honor to whom honor is owed Back to 1 Peter 2. That this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Live as people who are free, but don't use that freedom as a pretense for doing evil. When you look at some of the situations that this country is facing, there's a... We can fall back into a really comfortable place of saying, well, I'm just submitting to the authority over my life, as the Bible says, and I don't really need to get involved in this. But what Peter says here is live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Don't use your freedom as a cover-up for doing evil. And a lot of the times, simply doing nothing is a cover-up for doing evil. I know some people have the opinion that you actually need to do something in order to do evil. However, sometimes all you have to do is nothing in order to allow evil to flourish. In fact, submission does not mean a denial of Christian freedom, but is the act of a truly free people. You need to be free in order to be able to submit. You need to be free in order to give your submission to someone. 
If you are not free, if you are a slave to something, then you can't give your submission away to God because it's, it's being used elsewhere. To be truly free in Christianity means to submit to the will of God. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. Hey, look, I found my, I found my slide. Don't you love it when your slides are out of order? Exhortation is either to recognize the value of every person as the image bearer of God. Recognize that every person is the image bearer of God. The sermon is a little different because it's a little close to home just during these last couple of weeks. And so it's not the usual type of sermon. It's more thought-provoking. It's more civics-based as well, which is kind of fun for me, but maybe not so much to you. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect. Peter is talking to a culture where you might read in your, in your Bibles the, where it says the word servants, the actual Greek word throughout all of Scripture is actually slave. And he was talking to a group of people that were very familiar with the concept of slavery. Those who were Israelites still told the stories of how they were slaves in Egypt. And in fact, the entire Roman Empire was built on the back of slavery. It was part of their economy. It was like if uh, America said, hey, we're going to no longer do fast food. All fast food restaurants are now illegal. The effect that that would have on the econ economy was very similar to the effect that slavery had upon the economy of Rome. It was built there. And so Peter addresses those who are actually slaves uh, in the Roman Empire. And he says this, servants, be subject to your masters. He says, even if you're a slave, be subject to your masters. Even if you're not getting paid for what you do, you be subject with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. Look, even if you have masters who are above you, who are unjust, still be respectful of them. Still show them that you're different. Still show them that Christ and the Holy Spirit has made a difference in your life. For this is a gracious thing when, mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. Peter says that Christians are going to suffer unjustly. There are things that we are going to go through in our lives. There are things that are going to happen to us that we have no control over that are unjust. And how do you deal with them? When you deal with that injustice, are you reflecting the nature of Christ within you? For what credit is it if you sin, you are beaten for it, you endure? But if you do good and suffer for it, you endure. This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. Um, like I said, this was an interesting sermon for me to, to write. It's very different from my normal types of sermons. And in the last couple of minutes that we have together this morning, I simply want to ask you this question. Are you submitting to the authorities that God has placed over your life? And if not, why not? Is there 
a moral and ethical point in your life right now where you actually need to say, no, I'm not going to submit to this authority anymore. And something has held you back. Maybe it's fear of losing your job for speaking out against something. Maybe it's fear of repercussions for voicing an unpopular opinion. I don't know what it would be for you. But are you submitting to the authority that God has placed over your life? And if not, why not? Are you enduring for the sake of the cross, the sorrows of suffering unjustly? When you suffer, you go through sorrows. A lot of people are going to tell you, a lot of Christian leaders are going to tell you, well, if you're suffering, then you don't love Jesus enough because he's joy. You should have joy in the Lord always. And that's not what Scripture exactly says. Scripture says that you're going to suffer that you're going to endure sorrows. It doesn't say that in every circumstance you have to be happy about it. What it says is that when you suffer those sorrows, are you reflecting Christ? Again, it's not about behavior modification. It's about spiritual transformation. The final question is simply this. When you act, when you react, are you reflecting Christ? Or are you reflecting a world devoid of salvation? Are you reflecting a world devoid of salvation or are you reflecting Christ? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today, the time you've given us to come into your presence and to worship you. I pray, Lord God, that as we look through these verses and we weigh them, in our hearts and in our minds, that you, the Holy Spirit guides us and helps us to a place of understanding that submission is a hard thing for us to do. That submission, it's easy when we don't care or don't follow Scripture. But Lord, we pray that you help us in those situations when it is difficult, when we don't know if submission is the right thing or the wrong thing. Lord, be with us and help us with these questions. We pray these things in your son's precious name, in the name of Jesus. Amen.